Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 10, Forever in a Day. Ooh! Do you remember this one? <laughs> I I didn't, and I felt bad that I didn't, because I watched it and I was like, oh my god, this is like an epic discussion piece It's episode. so important. And how is it that I did not remember this episode? Yeah. No, I know. Of all the things that I don't remember. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, world. <sighs> You're a terrible Stargate fan, Rachel. <laughs> I know I am, but you know what? It means that I was watching it with fresh eyes. Okay, so watching it with fresh eyes, because this, this was one of the, like the, the sort of talking points as I was digging through various message boards just to see if people had anything interesting to say. Were you confused about what was happening? Yes, yes, I was until the very end, and I was like. <sighs> Okay. That explains everything I just watched. Okay. But then once you realized what was going on, everything that happened before totally made sense. Yes. Okay. Got it. Because apparently a lot of people don't like this episode because it's so confusing. It's like, well, it's confusing until like the last five minutes and then you know what's going on because they they tell you what's going on and what has happened. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Mm. I, I, I did find it complete once you found out what happened it was like oh, okay I was not still confused like what in the, in the, hmm. no. <laughs> no no hmm. it was ah <laughs> yes. it was a little hot for a while and then you got to the end I was like ah yes okay all right well shall we get into it then and break it down do it Okay, so this episode originally aired on October 8th, 1999, which is actually about a month from um, when episode 9 aired, so there's a little bit of a break here for some reason. Yeah, sure. It was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Peter DeLuise. And in this episode, during a rescue of captured Abedonians, Daniel finds his missing wife, Charay. But instead of greeting him, she attacks him, leading to her death at the hands of Tilk. Distraught over her death and angry at Tilk, Daniel quits Stargate Command. So we open on the shot of a dead Jaffa just laying on the ground. Mm-hmm, um, like you do. I will say, I, I kind of like how this episode just, like, it opens sort of, like, in the middle of the story. Like, there's no build-up there. There, we're, like, in the action. This episode is, like, just going from minute one, mm-hmm. which I like. Because so many episodes start with, hey, we're on this planet, and here's this thing we need to do. This is just, we're going. What I found interesting about it is because of the discussion recap we had had last week about... Uh, the specific Stargate teams. So yeah. when it opens with obvious combat, I was like, why is Daniel there? This is obviously like from something for one of the more military centric teams. And then once the, you realize it's Abido, Abido, you know, those people, Abedonians. that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once you realize it's them, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, this is very Daniel centric, but. Yeah. It was it was funny that I had that thought because of last week's discussion recap. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we then see SG-1 and like a whole bunch of other Stargate soldiers come into view and head towards this pen. Really, I guess it was like some sort of enclosed, like there's no roof, but it's just sort of a very tall fence enclosure thing. And uh, Jack sets a charge to blow the lock. And everybody runs out, and Kasuf is one of those people. So we know, okay, so these are Abenonians because there's Kasuf. 
And he greets Daniel, who's like, thank God you came. And he's like, yes, we got your message. So that's interesting that somehow Kasuf was able to send a message that we're here and need help, which is interesting. Did you try to imagine to yourself what how that even could be possible? No, I was too busy making notes to stop and think about that. <laughs> you didn't have that in your notes of no. how and why and the who. Did you, so did you think about that? I did wonder how in the world he could have done that, but I didn't actually come up with anything now. Well, shall we ponder? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. So Aminat went to Abydos, kidnapped a bunch of people and brought them to this planet. What if while they were being taken, one person managed to like slip away and stay back and contacted Daniel and found out and saw where they were going from the DHD dialing thing? Yeah. So they would have had to have known where they were being taken and not yeah. gone with them and not been captured. So they would have dialed, what, from Abydos and said, hey, these people are on this other planet? Yeah. Mm. Although Daniel does say, Kasuf, we got your message. So, because mm, it really does seem like Kasuf is the one who sent the message. Yes. Yes, it does. So that doesn't work. So that means he would have had to escape and then unescape. Yeah, was he able to, like, sneak out in the middle of the night? But, like, turning on the Stargate is not a quiet thing. It is not. So, yeah, I don't know <laughs> how that would have happened. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Well, we shall right. ponder as we proceed with the episode. Maybe we'll have All a right. realization. <laughs> yep, sounds good. There's been a revelation in the lab. No. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Um, so, Kasuf then mentions to Daniel that she took the boy and turns out the she is Amonette, and basically the child is the the child that like she was pregnant with when we last saw her, and apparently she's in a tent nearby. So Daniel tells Kasuf to go follow the people of the Tari as he runs toward the tent and Amonette, and as he nears the tent, a Jaffa comes out. Daniel shoots him. So apparently Jaffa are really easy to shoot now. And <laughs> so I love how they do the special effects with like all the bullets and stuff, like pinging off their armor. Yeah. With the sparks in the fly, but somehow they're still dead. Yeah. It's interesting. And then like another Jaffa comes out, shoots a staff weapon, manages like hit the ground. So it kind of knocks Daniel off his feet for a second. And then Amonet heads into the tent. And then we get um, some sort of back and forth between these two things as first, there's just like a couple Jaffa up on a hill and they've got like, one of those big staff weapons on a little mount, like a mounted staff weapon kind of situation, firing down at all the Stargate people and the Abedonians. And um, we fire back up at them and Sam, Sam fires a missile launcher, which is just awesome. Uh, Takes them out. But then we get this like massive squadron of Jaffa coming over the hill as Daniel manages to recover and heads into the tent. And during this whole thing too, like Jack had spotted Daniel running off and was like, Tilk, follow him. So we have Tilk sort of going as backup uh, for Daniel. So inside the tent, Daniel finally comes face to face with Amonette and he asks about the child, but Amonette is only like, he's somewhere where nobody will find him. And then she raises her hand with the hand device activates it, aims it at Daniel, who we now are in slow motion, which this episode had very good use of slow motion, I do have to say. I enjoyed it. 
Um, so Daniel like drops to his knees and like he had his gun out and he's like on the verge of dropping his guns as Tilk finally makes it into the tent, aims his staff weapon at her, looks down at Daniel, looks back up at Amonette as we cut to the opening credits. Interpretive dance here. Yes. So we come. I, I, I did like the part where she, when she raises her hand. I don't remember if it was slow-mo or just like very deliberately, but it was, it was interesting how it wasn't like a quick, like, ha ha kind of thing. It was, it was very like, I'm going to do this. You're telling me to stop. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah. Like, very deliberately with eye contact. Yes. This is happening to your face. Yes. And it's your wife that's going to do it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we come back from the credits to Dr. Fraser checking Daniel's pupils in the SGC infirmary. And he's he's kind of not really sure like what happened. And Sam's like, we were on this planet with the Abedonians. And they were like, Sharae. And Jack's like, Sharae's dead. Just cuts right to the point. Sharae's dead. And Tilk speaks up that it's his fault. He basically had to kill Sharae in order to save Daniel. And Daniel insists that she's not dead and that they, whoever they are, would have taken her to a sarcophagus and revived her. And the rest of SG-1 kind of just trade looks at each other like, mm, this is, no, this is not going to be a pleasant conversation. And uh, General Hammond is there and he asks Dr. Fraser if they can take Daniel out of the infirmary. So they get him in a wheelchair, but still on the IV drip. And uh, they actually run into Kasuf in the halls at the SGC to wherever they're going. And Daniel explains again about how Sharae is still alive. And Kusuf is like, what do you mean? And Jack's like, no, not not, not this time, no. So turns out they were taking Daniel to the morgue where we see Sharae's body. Less because, good. yeah, very not good. Uh, because the, the SGC was victorious in the battle and there was no they left to take Sharae to a sarcophagus. She, unfortunately, just, she's dead. And uh, Daniel just kind of looks angrily at Tilk and was like, you should have waited longer. And Daniel would have gotten through to her and Tilk is like, no, you no. were going, you were dying. And he's he's very sorry for what happened and what he had to do, but also says if he had to, he would do it again. He would save Daniel's life because yes. Daniel is his friend. Yes. Which is actually very touching, but, you know, not not to Daniel in this moment. And sometime later, back in the infirmary, Daniel's just kind of sitting there staring at a pen as Sam comes in with his favorite chocolate walnut cookies. And he shares his memory of when Shari saw him using a pen when he was writing in his journal and that she thought it was magic. And all these sort of little everyday things were such a wonder to her. And Sam's like, it's good to hold on to those memories. And Daniel's like, you know, we have all this stuff at our disposal, all these, all this magic and all these wonders. And I couldn't save her. We can do all this stuff, but I couldn't save my wife as he like breaks down and starts sobbing because obviously he would. And so and he's just like, I think I just want to get some sleep. So Sam yeah. leaves him I, alone. I don't know if it's just me being cynical, but I always feel like just putting that in TV shows and stuff. Like, of course, if, you know, tragedy happens to a loved one, you're going to go through, all sorts of emotions that do or do not make sense. But I just feel like it's so cheesy to always be like, I couldn't save her. Like, 
like this happens all the time. It sucks and it's unfortunate and all this stuff, but like, like what makes you think that you're special? <laughs> I know. And it, I mean, especially here because like he joined the SGC to save Shaw Ray. Like that's his whole reason and purpose for being here. And he's failed that. So yeah. that I think there's, you know, the grief over losing his wife, but also the guilt that I, I, I promised my father-in-law I would save his daughter and I didn't. Yeah, there so, is that. You know. But I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a generic kind of emotion to have, especially after all they had seen being on the SGC for that long. Yeah, that's like, true. Stuff happens, man. Mm-hmm. So there's been this sort of sudden, it's not really a flash of light, but it's this sort of slow flood of very bright light and the sound of the hand device. And we cut back to the sort of POV shot of like Daniel on his knees looking up at Share using the hand device. And we hear Share, not Eminette, we hear Share say, hear me, Daniel, as like, is this a flashback? Is this a dream? We're kind of not sure yet at this point. Um, But then the flash of light or, well, the bright light, bright light, um, goes oh, away, oh, oh. and Daniel opens his eyes to see Sharae sitting next to his bed in, like, SGC garb, just staring adoringly at him. And, oh, my God, he's awake. So Dr. Fraser comes over to check on him, and he's like, I'm confused because we already did this, and now we're doing it again. So uh, he confirms some personal information, including that his birthday is July 8th. So for those people who like to keep track of characters' birthdays, Daniel's birthday is July 8th. Ta-da! Put and that on the calendar with Rex Manning Day. There, there we go. Yep. Uh, Kasuf then enters the infirmary and thanks Daniel and SG-1 and everybody for saving uh, so many of his people. They unfortunately couldn't save everybody, but many Ebonodians were saved that day. And... Uh, we get sort of the same stories before where Tilt came in, had to shoot Share, but then Sam continues in saying that they took Share to the Tokra, who were able to revive her and remove the symbiote. So, yay! Yay! Share's not dead. And what? What? Mm. So, uh, Share and Daniel start getting a little uh, smoochy, 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 like just hard eyes, like... Like, nobody else is in the room for them anymore right now. So they go to leave. And I, I do like, as they leave, Jack's kind of hanging back with Dr. Frazier and is like, but he's going to be okay. Right? He's like, and Dr. Frazier's like, oh, yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going to be okay. <laughs> he's going to be fine. Um, so they all leave. And Sharae is like, I only came to tell you about the boy. And he's like, what about the boy? And then she kind of looks like she's in pain and gets like, sucked away or something where did she go okay so the theory i've read that i i'm i think works to explain this is that when sharae is there it's sharae sort of fighting through amonet to get to daniel and when sharae gets sucked back that's amonet being like no is me and like sort of just shoving sharae back down to get her out of the way like the sort of internal mental struggle of wills if you will between Amonet and Share. Mm, very quickly very quick transition yes mm. so it fades back in then on Daniel still in the infirmary and Dr. Fraser's there and he's like is Share here and she's like I well we haven't sent her body back to Abydos if that's 
what you're talking about. And so Daniel's like, oh, okay. okay. Mm. So sorry. Which time was I dreaming? Yes. Um, we cut to sometime later and Daniel is handing in his reg- resignation to General Hammond. And Hammond just tries to wave it off, telling Daniel to take some time. He's grieving, you're emotional. But Daniel's like, no, I joined the SGC to find Share. And he found her. So mission accomplished. He's done. Bye. Uh, on a personal note, this is the first appearance of Daniel's white sweater of awesome. Or, well, white sweater of ascension, depending on what you want to call it, which will be very important in season six. So it, it, is, it is a very nice sweater. I do say it I like it a lot. Sweater. I, yes. do, I do like that sweater. Yep. So Daniel then is packing up his office. And he, he's got a lot of boxes. <laughs> Daniel does there's a lot of stuff in there he's apparently taking home and so Jack comes in to complain about the new guy Dr. Robert Rothman who was actually Daniel's research assistant that he's this is now the guy that's gonna be on SG-1 in place of Daniel and Jack keeps trying to sort of play off Daniel's resignation as the temporary thing and he's like you're you're you'll be back you're gonna miss us and he's and, Jack's, and Daniel's like, oh yeah, all your insults and witty charm. I'm gonna miss that a lot. And then Jack's like, okay, well, so you'll you'll miss Carter and Tilkins. Daniel's just like, well, Carter maybe. So it's like, ooh, at, mm, yeah, yeah. Ouch, ouch. Yeah. Bit. Um, yeah. Jack then repeats Daniel's words back to him, where uh, Daniel says the SGC may be the single most important human endeavor for the future of mankind. But Daniel's just like, I can't, I can't do this because every time I go through the gate I'm going to be thinking about how I failed Share and I can't I can't do that I cannot do that so he's out he's gone goodbye Bye. Jack Bye. Yep. so Daniel's making his way out of the SGC and Tilk is standing in front of the elevator to basically sort of force Daniel to talk to him for at least a little bit and Tilk asks, is there not some form of human ritual in which I may ask your for your forgiveness? And Daniel just says, no. Nope. And heads on out. Yep. And bye. Yep. So in Daniel's apartment, Jack, Sam, and some SGC soldiers are helping bring in the 8 million boxes of stuff. Uh, so you can start unpacking. And basically, Daniel's just going to go find the most remote dig that he can and just try and get on with his life and just like kind of leave this all behind for a bit. And Sam asks when they'll see him again. And he's like, you know, at Shari's funeral, I'll see you there. And so Sam goes to leave, but then sort of turns back and hugs him goodbye, which is very nice. Mm. And then Jack just shakes his hand, but then finally pulls him into a hug and calls him Dr. Jackson, Aww. which was nice. Mm-hmm. It is, all- I, it's interesting how they, they make it seem like they're never, ever, ever going to see each other ever again. You'd think they would have kept, like, closer in touch than that. Well, you know. Daniel's, or emailing or something. Yeah. Well, you know, Daniel's going to go off grid for a while. Jack and Sam are going to be not on the planet for a significant portion of their time. So, you know. They have email. Knows. They do have email. Email is a thing. Email is a thing in the before times. Mm-hmm. So Daniel's in bed when we get another one of the the bright light incoming things and the point of view of Shari using the hand device on Daniel. And she says again, hear me, Daniel. And Daniel wakes up and Shari is there in bed with him and just shirtless Michael Shanks for the win. Thank you very much. 
Whose costume choice was that, you think? I don't know. Considering later he is in a t-shirt in bed, so I don't know. But whoever made that decision, thanks. We appreciate it. You think it was just some sort of meeting of, like, how do we distinguish this from the other times? (gasps) You could be shirtless. Um, I don't know. Yep, yep. That sounds like a good idea. Let's go with that. Not wearing a different shirt. No. No shirt. No shirt. Shirtless. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jare's there with him, urging him to continue his travels through the gates so he can find the boy. And she also says that he has to forgive Tilk because killing her wasn't the right thing to do. And then Daniel kind of goes back to sleep and then wakes up, but he is once more alone. So no Share. No. We are now on Abydos for Shari's funeral, and we also have Jack, Sam, General Hammond, and Dr. Fraser there in their, like, dress uniforms, which is very nice. Uh, Kasuf says a prayer in Abedonian, and then Daniel Daniel performs the weighing of the heart. Um, he says a whole bunch of stuff, and then at the end goes, if my heart weighs more than a feather, my soul still contains sin. If not, may my soul join the God. By the trial of the great scales, thy heart is light. Thy soul has been found true. And so fun fact, this is this is a thing that was done in ancient Egypt, this ritual rite, if you will, after death. And so the ancient Egyptians actually believed that like the heart was the most important organ and had like all of your knowledge and stuff, not your brain, um, including like all of the good and bad deeds that you did. And so needed to be uh, judged in the afterlife. And so that's why when bodies were mummified, they left the heart. They took out all of the other stuff, but left the heart because that's what you needed to get into the afterlife. Um, so the heart was weighed against the feather of Mat, M-A-A-T, who is the goddess of truth and justice. The scales were watched by Anubis and the results recorded by Thoth, who is the, the god of writing. So uh, if a person had led a decent life and was a good person, the heart balanced with the feather and the person was rendered worthy to live forever in paradise with Osiris. If the heart was heavier than the feather, it was immediately eaten by Amit, who is the goddess of divine retribution. And if you're watching Moon Knight, the name Amit might have some significance to you. And I was like, oh, hey, that that, that person. Hey. Hey. Somewhere else right now on TV. Do you suppose it ever actually worked where the the other scale was heavier i don't that would have been awkward wouldn't it yeah that would that would be a little awkward if it it just kind of happened do you suppose there was ever a time like where there's some guy just standing in the background and like if it makes the slightest move downward somebody's like ah look it's it's moving down it's it's heavier that person is evil (laughs) i mean who knows maybe maybe some sand get blown onto the scales and made it heavier than a feather because feathers are very light. So how much does a ton of feathers weigh? Ha ha ha. No. Wait, what's that joke? Oh, what weighs more, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? Mm. And it's That joke. Day. That joke weighs heavier. Yes. Because they, they, they both weigh a ton. Stop it. So. Logic. It's, it's neither because they both weigh a ton. Badoom ching. Anyway. lies. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so um, so Shari is buried, funeral's over, and Daniel starts to leave, but Kasuf stops him and says that he needs to listen to Shari, and he then sort of points to, there. there's like this tent thing sort of set up there, so Daniel walks around to the other side and looks around, and then Shari is there just like kind of standing behind him, and she's in her like traditional Abedonian robes that she would have worn as Shari, 
And she again tells him to forgive Tilk so that they can go find the boy together. And then Kasuf kind of just pops up out of nowhere briefly is like, the boy is Harsesis. And then like just disappears again, <laughs> which I was like, that, that, that was okay. It was interesting. Um, so yeah, so the boy is important because he's Harsesis. As the biological child of two Gould hosts, he contains all the knowledge and secrets of the Gould. Sharae then gets like, pulled away again and we have another flash of Shara using the hand device and the hear me Danielle um so I decided to look and see if like Harsesis was a thing at all in like ancient Egypt or whatever um, it came up as a as a misspelled name on your word document <laughs> no it is it is it is red squiggled so it's not ah, a thing it is red squiggled. Um, so it, it might be a thing so um the name could come from um, the the ancient Egyptian name Harsias, Harsesis, or Horsiasis, which is one of the name, which is a name that means Horus, son of Isis. So in Egyptian mythology, Horus is the son of Isis and Osiris. So uh, Isis and Osiris are actually both mentioned in later seasons as being Gould. Um, so they may have taken that sort of child of two deities and then sort of made that into what it becomes in like the Stargate mythology and gave it this name Harsesis. Mm, interesting. Which is, I thought it's like, oh, that kind of works. It kind of, it kind of felt like somebody actually did some research this week for that in the writer's room rather than just <laughs> random key smash of like funny names that we get a lot. And it was pleasantly surprising. Like, oh, I was like, oh this actually makes sense. Somebody read something. Somebody did their homework. Okay. Uh, so. Sort of. Yeah. Um, so Daniel then jerks awake in his bed and immediately reaches the phone and calls the SGC and asks to pe- to speak to Sam. So we cut to the gate room and SG1 now with Dr. Rothman returning from a trip and everybody's like, Daniel, hey, nice to see you. What you doing here? And he's like, I need to talk to Sam alone. And Jack's like, Hammond, I need to talk to you alone. So Daniel kind of catches up with Dr. Rothman for a minute and, you know, Dr. Rothman's like, I think they miss you, especially like that Jack guy. Mm. Yeah. Um, and Tilk says it's good to see Daniel and goes to leave when Daniel actually stops him and says he did the right thing. So they're kind of so on their road. There. To there. They're getting there. Yep. Getting there. Yeah. yeah. It would have been great if um, I have no idea who that actor is, but it would have been great if Dr. Rothman was some sort of cameo. Like if he was, you know, a real life oh. super scientist or physicist or, you know, somebody like that. Yeah. No, he, I think he comes, does he, he might come, does he come back again? He might come back again. In an episode. Neil deGrasse Tyson would have been amazing. Oh. Well, we actually get Neil deGrasse Tyson as Neil deGrasse Tyson later. No, I want in him Atlanta. as a cameo fake person. Okay. I want, I don't want the real him. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel's now just sort of standing at the bottom of the ramp with Sam. And basically what Daniel wanted to talk to Sam about was about how the hand device works. And Sam starts going into, like, the super technical, like, science garbled explanation. And Daniel just kind of puts his fingers up to his lips, like, no, shh, stop talking. It's not. It's not. I actually found that kind of funny, the way he was just like, Um, shh, no, no. Like, he got that from Jack, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) It's kind of a little condescending, too, but also... But it's also, yeah, a little bit funny, because it's Mm -hmm. like, no, that's not, no. What he means is, like... You you make it work 
basically just by thinking about it and then it works and she's like i'm sure it's like that plus there's some sort of emotional component to it too and so daniel thinks sharae tried to tell him something through the hand device because if you control it with your thought you can actually send a thought through it Hmm. i'm kind of like um i don't i don't know but okay but it, but what that thought is he's he's not even sure what it is yet so which what would i it makes me wonder like what they would have sent before you know when they were just I using it you. to kill people like you're dead now you're dead to me and you're dead. literally dead haha ha. i don't <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know um so daniel then returns home and finds jack and kasuf just sitting on his couches and wait i have a question though did yeah. you have the thought like so the end the end of the scene happens and daniel picks up his key card and goes to leave the room and i had a thought where i was like how does he still have clearance to be on the i base? did i was like why is there not a guard standing two feet behind his shoulder because I know. how has he not escorted everywhere as a visitor well because we we find out that hammond didn't actually like turn in his resignation so I totally had that thought at the time of like, yeah. how does he still have access to be there? Yeah, he shouldn't. He should not have a key card in his possession. He should have to wait for somebody to open the door for him. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Mm, yep. So Daniel returns home, Jack and Kasuf on the couches, because why not? And Jack's like, you ran off before because I had. So we thought we'd just let ourselves in. And by the way, you need a new lock on your door. Which, if you noticed when Daniel came in and he like shut the door, he kind of like poked at the door for a minute, like... Some, that something's a little hinky with the door. So oh, I didn't even notice that. It, it, yeah. I just kept thinking, like, how in the world did they get to his house before he did? If he I left know. sooner than they did. I know. It's like, did Daniel stop at a diner or something for some food? Yeah. Like, how did yeah. they get there before him? He must have I stopped don't. somewhere. I don't know. I don't. Magic yes. of TV. Yes. So Kasuf is there because he is very concerned about Daniel leaving the SGC because Daniel being out there amongst the gods was a source of comfort to the Abedonians, which that's a very nice thought, I think, mm-hmm. to have. And again, Daniel's like, I my mission's done. There's no reason for me to be part of the SGC anymore because, you know, we lost Sharae. Sharae has been found and she died. So I'm I'm done. There's no reason for me to be there. And Kasuf is like, no, you need to be out there because you need to find the boy, as Sharae has told him. And Daniel's like, you talk to Sharae? And he's just like, yeah, she's right through there. And, like, points to Daniel's bedroom. <laughs> so, yeah, something weird's going on. So mm-hmm. Daniel goes over to his bedroom, opens the door, but instead of his bedroom, it's the the planet from the beginning where Daniel was, like, getting attacked by Amonet. So he follows her into the tent and we get the bright light again. But this time Shari says, come to me, Daniel, not hear me, but come to me. So, mm. hmm. so Daniel then again, kind of just wakes up in the middle of the night from this and heads wearing to the, a shirt. The, yes, this time wearing a shirt, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. And apparently he needs to get to the SGC right now to talk to Tilk right now in like, yeah. the middle of the night. So Tilk's in his room. He still has access to do. I yeah, which he shouldn't, but he does. Wow. Hand wave, hand wave, hand wave, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tilk is meditating, and so Daniel asks him about the Harsis's child and like why why is it so horrible? And Tilk tells him that it's forbidden for Gould hosts to have children because of the whole genetic memory thing that the Gould symbiotes have will actually also be transferred onto any human biological child that is the result of two goulds having a child 
So that's why the child weird is weird all the way around. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, you know, the child is so important because it's a human who can just speak and be and have all the knowledge of the ghoul without having the weakness of being, you know, the just little snaky symbiote thing. So, um, so Daniel goes to leave and Tilk is like, I'm very happy you felt like you could come to me and like, uh, like I could pass my knowledge on to you again. So they're definitely sort of mending the fences between them and on their way to being friends again. Yay. Yes. So from there, Daniel then heads to Hammond's office where Jack is trying to get Rothman off his team by insisting that he's like too slow and has two left feet. And Daniel's like, well, that's interesting because he's a two-time decathlon champion. So, liar. Oh, no. No. So, would you like to play a little game? Yes. How many decathlon events can you name? Running. (laughs) What kind of running? (laughs) You know, the the running. (laughs) I got nothing. Terrible. No. I'm an awful person. No. Okay. Would you like to know what they are? Yes. Okay. So this is apparently also like the order that they're done in. So oh, okay. there's the hundred meters. Mm-hmm. So there is there is running, yes, but Yay! <laughs> specific running. <laughs> uh so there's a hundred meters, there's long jump, shot put, high jump, four hundred meters, hundred and ten meter hurdles, discus, pole vault, javelin, and then the fifteen hundred meters. Oh. So there you go. That's the decathlon offense. Yeah. Wow. And they just kind of do them all like rotate. Um, They do like five one day and then five another day. So oh, it, it, okay. it is over the course of two days. So it's not like trying to cram all this in like four hours or anything. So oh, man. Yeah. that's yeah. the extreme version. That would be the extreme decathlon. With an X. Yes. Extreme <laughs> decathlon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so, so Jack's maybe lying to try and get Rothman off his team, and Daniel's like, is there any chance that that might be a thing that we can do? And he's like, only if you come back, and Daniel's like, okay. And Jack's like, great, what are we doing? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. What? What? You're back? You're back? Mm -hmm. And Daniel's like, yeah, I think there's something else out there that I need to find, so... And yeah, very conveniently, as we mentioned earlier, Hammond did not actually process Daniel's resignation, so... Yeah. Which... Doesn't it make it weirder then that they found somebody for the team? Well, I, I'm pretty sure Daniel said, here, take this guy. Well, I know, but like, how would they process that paperwork? Does that mean then there were technically five members of SG-1? I mean, they may have put Daniel on like vacation or something if you have to report that, you know. Mental, mental leave? Some kind, so yeah, some kind of like temporary leave, and then if he really didn't come back, then Hammond would put through it as like a resignation rather than just a temporary leave of absence. Mm. So I think that could work. <laughs> Funny if he was like, "By the way, you have now used up all of your vacation days. You have no more PTO left. Sorry, <laughs> I don't care that you have pneumonia. You're going through that gate." <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So sometime later in the gate room, we have Sam Tilk and Dr. Rothman there when Jack comes in and is like, hey, Bruce Jenner, you're gone. Which that joke did not age well. It did not age well. Fortunately, I was like, oh. uh, Mm, mm, No. Um, And Rothman's like, why? Every time Jack says something, Rothman is just like, why? Why? 
And he's like, why Which am I Which is gone? totally valid. I like it. Why am I leaving? Because. But it's, he, almost sounds like, he almost sounds like, you know, like a five-year-old child going, why? 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 Every time, you know, mom or daddy says something. And the child yeah. just goes, why? You're also uh, not getting any answers. No. And it finally ends with Jack just being, because I'm intimidated by your intelligence, of course. Duh. Yeah. That's why you're gone. And, oh, hey, look, Daniel's back. Yay. Yeah. The scene is really funny, but I really have no idea why he didn't just say that in the first place. Of like, guess what? Daniel's back. Because he's Jack and he has to have a little fun first. Yeah. So SG-1's back together, off on a brand new mission. And they exit the gate on the planet with, like, bright magenta shrubbery, which is interesting. You know, a little not to try and make it not look like Vancouver. <laughs> which is always nice. Um, so Jack gives out the orders and Daniel's supposed to look for little signs of civilization since the UAV didn't find any big ones. And hey, the UAV didn't crash this week. <laughs> but we don't know where it is. We don't know. It. I, I mean, I'm guessing it went back. I don't know. I don't know. Can yeah. They, well, yeah, how do they get the UAV back? The UAV can't dial the gate. So does it just like sit there until the team actually gets there and then they bring it home with them, but it wasn't sitting there. Yeah, then they retrieve it somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is a good question. Hmm. Maybe that should be a memo. Retrieve. Have procedures in place to retrieve the UAVs. Maybe that's just why they keep losing them, because they can't figure out how to bring them back yet. Okay. Got it. Have procedures <laughs> for UAV retrieval. Got it. Um, okay, so everyone starts to like head off to do what they were going to do when we hear the sound of the Stargate engaging, and then everybody runs back just in time to see Daniel jumping through the event horizon, and unfortunately, <laughs> Sam didn't get a look at the DHD before it cleared, so Daniel's just gone somewhere. Surprise else. twist. Uh-oh, what's he doing? Uh, surprise, he's back on the planet where they were at the beginning with all the dead Jaffa, and finds Sharae in the tent, and we learn here that Amonet took the Abedonians basically as a ruse so that Harrower didn't know what she was really doing, which was to get the child to send him into hiding. And she sent the boy with one of her most trusted companions or like handmaiden people to a place called Keb, which Daniel's familiar with the myth of Keb as the place where Osiris hid from Seth. And he's like, but Keb's a myth. And she's like, well, no, Keb's a real place, which, duh, Daniel. Have, everything like, was a myth until, like, two years ago. Now it's all real. You're like, you, so. you've been on this TV show, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. You've been in the SGC for the past however many years now, and yes. we shouldn't be needing to have this conversation anymore. No. Um, mm-hmm. So I did look up Keb to see what mm-hmm. there is on it. And according to what I was able to find um, – in so in ancient Egyptian mythology, Seth poisoned Horus, and then Isis hid Horus in the swamp and hidden places of Keb. Mm-hmm. And she asked Ra to help her, and then Ra accepted and made the sun stand still and threatened to let part of the earth burn. And so then Seth then reluctantly cured Horus so that the earth didn't burn. So Thank here you. it's Horus, not Osiris, which. Mm. Is interesting that change. I don't know why. If there's a different source they found, because you know, all that myths and stuff. There's always five different versions of it. So yes, the one I found said Horus, not Osiris. I don't know. Yes. Anyway, Osiris. Um, well, Horus is Osiris's son. 
from earlier? I'm going to go with Hosiris. Hosiris. Well, no, Harcesis. Remember? Harcesis. I'm just making up names. Okay. I'm doing the keyboard smash thing. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, she doesn't tell him where Keb is, like what planet it is or how to find it. She just makes him promise to save the boy, and he does. And then they kiss, and suddenly we're back in what is apparently the actual present now with Daniel on his knees and Ammonette's clutches. And this is where Tilt comes in, sees what's happening, shoots Ammonette. She falls over. Daniel also falls over, and they're like face-to-face staring at each other as they die. And um, Ammonette dies first. And so Shari gets to tell Daniel that she loves him before she dies. And Tilk apologizes to Daniel, but he just says that you did the right thing and then tells Shari that he loves her too. And this is the end. Yeah. That was very sad. That was very sad. Yes. It was a very good episode. Yes. But. But. When I go back and think about it, like the entire, you know, that joke that everyone makes, everyone makes of like this meeting could have been an email. (laughs) 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 The, the, like, that was way too big of a ruse scenario where she could have just been like, find the kid. He's here. (laughs) Yeah. Especially especially if she's, like, continually being sort of, like, pushed back down by Amina. Just, like, you get out. It's like, the kid's on Keb. He's her thesis. Yeah. And that should Ask be enough. Tilk. Ask Tilk. He, yes. Ask Tilk. He knows what that means. Yes. By the way. Yes. How did she also, you know what mm-hmm. I wonder, though, is, like, how the all those scenarios that plays in the head, like, how did she know all that stuff may what happened, like, to put it in Daniel's head to go through that process? that like teal was gonna kill her and all the things that danny would have gone through i don't know if it was just kind of like she plants the idea of something and then just kind of plays it out and is like okay this isn't working i'm getting pulled back okay we'll try something else next you know like something like that but i think it's she's doing she's not doing a lot and it's mostly daniel's brain filling in the blanks of if my wife dies, here's what happens next. It's not her going, I die, here's what you do. It's her going, I die. And then his brain taking over and be like, okay, so here's what happens. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I did. I really, really did like this episode. But yeah, my overall thought is like, this meeting could have been an email. (laughs) (laughs) That's going in the show notes. (laughs) Hang on, let me pull up my show notes. I can put that in there. (laughs) Uh, Find the kid. He's on cab. Ask Tilk. Uh, <clears throat> I love you. Bye. Um. So we agree this was a really good episode for Michael Shanks, mm-hmm. and he was actually nominated for a Leo Award for Best Performance by a Male in a Dramatic Series for this episode. Ooh. So yay for that. What did he lose to? Uh, I don't know. I did not hey, get that far to look it up. Um, I don't even know what year that, well, 99, maybe let's see if it's a quick enough Google search, 1999, Leo Award winner, let's find out, okay, 1999, oh, it could have been 2000, because this was, like, in October, let's try the 2000 awards, live Googling, such an interesting podcast um 
Oh, he uh, lost to Brent Fiddler for First Wave TV show. First Wave. No. So, mm. I don't know. But I'm, I'm sure he was very worthy. Sure. All right. Cool. Yeah. Way so. to go. Yep. Um, okay. Any memos other than UAV retrieval? I don't know. How do we turn this meeting? Could have been an email into a memo. <laughs> uh, especially, yeah, I don't know. Just this meeting could have been an email. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Episode title, Forever in a Day, I think. That makes sense. Like, he's basically living several days in the span of, like, two seconds. So, mm-hmm. Forever in a Day. Um, most of the fair, for, fair, foreign territory titles are also, like, of a similar thing. Um, the Czech translation is the Forever Goodbye which I thought was cool. interesting. And then the Germans really got screwed because the German title is just the death of Charay. <gasps> no. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Wait, just spoil the episode there. Dang it. German TV. So. German people. Yeah. Aww. Yep. All right. Uh, final thoughts. What do we think? Liked it. Yeah. I do so like this. Is... I did overall. I I think it's an interesting storyline that the um that Amonet cares about the kid enough to want to hide it. Yeah, well, she's mostly hiding it from Harewer because everybody else wants to kill the child, and she is a mother. So mm-hmm. please don't kill my child. Yeah, you know, makes sense. But yeah, this is definitely it. one of my one of my top season three episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we get there. Invited. Yes. And we got Shirtless Michael Shanks, so the noise, you know, bumps it up a notch or two. <laughs> I'm a shallow, shallow woman. What can I say? <laughs> Few extra points for that. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for past and present, a.k.a. the worst episode ever. I hate it so much. Yeah, fantastic. Bye. Okay, bye.